Happy Friday, everybody. It is Friday, October 29th, 2021. This is the Second Half Podcast. I'm Tom Powell, and if you're listening to this, as always, that means you made it through another week and margaritas are in order. Especially this weekend, because it is Halloween weekend. Uh, Now, with it being Halloween weekend, we're going to touch on uh, some scary movie stuff here. Uh, best scary movies before we move into the politics and all of that stuff. But uh, if you are going to be having uh, uh, some libations over the weekend, don't be a dick. Okay? Just don't be that guy. I got no lighting in here. Hang on a minute. Goodness gracious. Don't be that guy or gal that everybody talks about two years from now because you were a fucking moron. Okay? As a matter of fact, if you feel the need to uh, round your edges this holiday weekend, do so in a chill manner, if I may suggest otherwise. Uh, uh, hit the herb. Take yourself a couple of hits off of this herb and see if that don't change your entire fucking perspective on the holiday, life in general, and all things. All right? Uh... Real quickly, before we get on with the stuff we're going to talk about this week, as I do every week, uh, for the people who are just finding me for the very first time, this is an amateur podcast. It's not done in a studio. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, you can see it's done in my home office with a $100 podcast mic I got off of Amazon. Uh, I got a window in the fan so I don't hot box the goddamn place and my robot vacuums and mops are out there working. So you're going to hear a whole bunch of background noises. You might even hear my dogs barking at the UPS person. Uh, it's not meant to be some polished, finished thing. It's meant to be like a couple of people sitting down shooting the shit. So just roll with any background noise you happen to hear. And uh, also, if you're finding me for the very first time, that means that you probably don't know about my website. So... If you have the opportunity to, swing by my website, oldhippymedia.com. That's oldhippymedia.com. You're going to find uh, at that website my blog. Haven't made a blog post in, in almost a year. Way behind on blog posts. Uh, you're going to find uh, links on where you can find me on all the social media uh, apps. Uh, you're going to find links to, a link to my merch store. Uh, well over 160 items, I believe, uh, to choose from, including a full holiday lineup now. Uh, you're going to find links on where you can buy my first two books, uh, which are entitled A Grateful Life and Dearest Renee. Both of them are available in paperback and ebook formats. And over there on that social media page, you're going to find a link to my Patreon page. Which, as of the time you're hearing this on Friday morning, October 29th, is not operational. Uh, We will be launching next week. Uh, The Patreon uh, subscription service will have uh, uh, different different tiered memberships. There will be a $4.20 a month tier, if you know, you know. Uh, There will be an $11 tier. Instead of a $10 tier. Because these amps go to 11 Instead of a $20 tier. There will be a $21 a month tier. Because that's the age that you can legally consume things. That you uh, otherwise can't consume. And that is also the, uh, the tier level. Where you can first begin to get items. Such as a laser engraved second half podcast show. Uh, second half podcast uh, one hitter. Or 
a flask, a laser engraved second half podcast flask. Uh, one of the tier benefits is going to be once you reach a certain level, you're going to be able to choose one of those two items. There's going to be a bunch more uh, 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 physical tier benefits that we're going to be able to ship out to you guys for being members. And then the last tier membership is going to be a $50 a month membership. So you're going to be able to next week choose your membership level from uh, $4.20 a month, $11 a month, $21 a month, and $50 a month. And who the hell knows how this thing is going to go? It may crash and burn. Maybe we have a handful of people that want to do it. Maybe it takes off. Uh, we are doing things a tad bit differently than uh, than most other uh, pages over there and that we're not just doing, like, shout-outs on the podcast or stuff like that, although that is stuff that is uh, still can be uh, negotiated in the future if you wanted to uh, have a shout-out on the podcast. It's something that we could definitely discuss with you. Uh, but these are the tier benefits. We're giving you physical tier benefits, shipping them directly to you so that you have something in hand that you can use, all right? Once again, that's all going to be at oldhippymedia.com. All right, enough of that. Moving on. Uh, what we do is we talk a little bit of personal, a whole lot of politics. Uh, the, uh, the Patreon subscription service is going to be very little politics and a whole lot of personal backstory and whatnot. Um, it's going to be more... Stories about my past, uh, stories between my wife and I, my mother and I, my father and I, other family members and I, um, you know, stuff that happens here in the house with myself and the kids and whatnot. Um, so it's going to be a little bit more on the personal side over on Patreon. Uh, here we do a lot more politics, uh, but during the football season, before we get into any of that, I have to briefly do my football picks sure to go wrong because they are sure to go wrong. I have never had a season of picking. And you can go back and listen to all my podcasts. There's 130 other episodes you can go listen to me make picks on. And damn! Holy shit! Am I stinking on ice this year? Don't spend a lot of time on football. We'll briefly go through this. Uh, last week I went 5-6 and six and somehow completely missed calling the Texans-Cardinals game. Interesting. Uh... uh but I went five and six last week, which is disgusting. Uh, so I don't call the Thursday games for those of you just finding me for the first time because I record the podcast on Thursday, but it doesn't air until Friday. So I don't even want a hint of impropriety. I don't call the Thursday games. And then I missed that game, the Houston-Arizona uh, game last week. So overall on the season, I am an astoundingly abysmal 51 and 46. Jesus Christ. Uh, okay, so without further ado, here are your picks sure to go wrong, because there's really nothing else to say about that. There's no other commentary that's going to fix 51 and 46. It's just not. So without the Thursday game, hang on, I need to uh, quench my cotton mouth. Without the Thursday games, here are this week's picks sure to go wrong. This week's winners will be the Bengals, Colts, Rams, Browns, Lions, 49ers, Falcons, Bills, Chargers, Seahawks, Broncos, Buccaneers, Vikings, and Chiefs. God only fucking knows what my record's going to be at the end of this week. Uh, we just need to get the hell off of football real quick, and we need to get onto a better story than, than my 51 and 46. 
And a better story I cannot think of than this one. Uh, Sarah Blakely. I don't know if you've heard the name Sarah Blakely, but she is the founder and CEO of Spanx. Um, sorry, just checking my microphone there for a minute. Uh, founder and CEO of Spanx. And uh, when she founded the company, she started with uh, $5,000 she took out of her savings. And she said, she wrote down on a piece of paper one goal when she started the company. And that goal was that before it was all over with, she wanted the company to one day be worth $20 million. It's a lofty goal. Her company was uh, just valued by Blackstone at $1.2 billion. So, to show her appreciation and to celebrate, Sarah Blakely, CEO and founder of Spanx, bought every employee in the company first-class tickets to anywhere in the world and gave them a $10,000 check to go spend it. A better story I cannot think of, right? Wrote down on a piece of paper when she started her company. One goal, $20 million valuation. Mission accomplished. Good Lord. Blakely? You are killing it. Killing it. That is the kind of shit you need to see a whole lot more of. Unfortunately, you're not going to hear a whole lot more of that in this podcast because we talk a lot of politics in this podcast and that shit goes sideways in a hurry. So that that was your feel-good moment of the fucking podcast right there. Wow. First-class tickets to anywhere in the world in a $10,000 check. I mean... If that isn't somebody realizing who helped her get to where she is and being appreciative of that, I don't know what is. Good on you, Sarah Blakely. Uh, Are you hiring? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. (coughs) That is a nice nice little surprise for everybody. Uh... All right, this is where we would normally jump into politics, but we're going to pause. We're going to jump into politics in a moment here. We're going to uh, uh, touch on scary movies, just briefly, just briefly, because there's a political story that I have to end on because it's it's worthy of of being the build-up story. Uh, So let's go ahead and talk about these scary movies. Um, To me, and I am somewhat of a scary movie fan. I wouldn't call myself a scary movie aficionado. And I definitely don't go digging through the depths of all of the uh, B-rated scary movies that have ever been produced out there by any stretch of the imagination. But this is just one person's opinion, right? Uh, Best scary movie franchise out of all of them is the Halloween franchise. Michael Myers. I would say that that would be closely followed by Scream, that franchise. Uh, the Halloween franchise was the franchise that gave me the heebie-jeebies as a wee lad, as a youth. Uh, scared the fucking shit out of me, man. How slow that motherfucker walked and how deliberate he was and every goddamn... Oh, no, 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 no. And he was like just 
always just standing there off in the distance, like in the yard across the street. <laughs> yeah, tell me, you're you're around my age, late 40s, 49, mid to late 40s, you're Gen X, early 50s. Tell me that you weren't watching for Michael Myers in the neighbor's yard in the dead of night. T- tell me you weren't. Well, fuck, I'm almost 50. I still watch for his ass. I go to let the dogs out at night. I'm like, what's up, G? Who the fuck's out there? <laughs> yeah, and it's really fucked up, too, because... Um, so I put a... We have a, I have a, uh, a shed in the backyard that was built. It's not like... Uh, like a Rubbermaid shed or anything like that. We built a shed, right? It's it's 18 inches of concrete. It's fucking... It, it's it's framed out. It's attached to lag bolts in the concrete. It is, it is fucking... It's got fucking walls and uh, aluminum siding and gutters and shingles and a roll-up metal door like you see at the uh, storage sheds. And, and it's in the back of the yard, right? We don't have a huge yard, but it's decent enough. And I put a motion sensor light up there. Uh, but goddamn everything sets it off, right? Fucking rabbit and raccoon sets that goddamn thing off. So you go to let the dogs out at 10 o'clock at night, 10.30 at night for the last time, and that fucking light's on, you're always kind of give it to the, who's over there. And then the fucked up part, the really fucked up part, <coughs> not the gentleman who lives be, directly behind me, but behind me and over one, right? The way the yards are situated... You can just clearly see his driveway and then across his front yard and then into the front yard of the guy across the street and there's a cul-de-sac back there and there's a street light there and that guy's got a light shining off of his garage. So there's a couple of places off in the distance in which there's a faint light in the darkness and you're just like, you're just like squinting your eyes at the back door like, you guys, talking to your dogs, right? You're like, you guys would bark if something was out there, right? You guys, you guys would let me know, right? I mean, because I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't about to get fucking, and, you know, taken, letting the dogs in. Uh, so, yeah, if you're of my generation, you were watching out for Michael Myers. Um, mad respect for movies and or franchises such as the Saw franchise. Uh, phenomenal franchise. Uh, really a psychological mind fuck. More than a, uh, you know, blood and guts mind fuck, obviously. But it's got elements of both. Hostile. I don't know you would call Hostile a series. There's two of them. There's Hostile and Hostile 2. Really fucked with my head for a minute. Like, holy shit, man. They're hunting humans. This is nuts. Uh, And, of course, all the various Texas Chainsaw Massacres. um, All of which are just weird as fucking shit. Uh, Scary movies and franchises that I never cared for. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and the Friday the 13th franchises, they, you know, I watched them all. Obviously, I'm from that generation. And there were moments in all of them that scared you. But I never really cared for the stories. I never really cared for the characters. I never really cared for the movies. Uh, they're not ones that I, I, I seek to go back on. Uh, also, the Chucky movies. I don't care for the Chucky movies. Uh, just so fucking cornball, in my opinion. Never really liked the Chucky movies. Um, I really need to get somebody to do this podcast with so that we can have this conversation. Who wants to do a podcast on the regular? I don't know. Uh, my wife would probably love to do it, but she's got a full-time job and can't figure out the time to do it. Uh, so here's some other scary movies, uh, that 
I dig that I think deserve a tip of the cap, okay? Uh, and there are going to be a shit ton that I am not going to mention that somebody's going to come into the comment section wherever they found the link to this and go, well, well, you forgot this, you forgot this. Yeah, I'm forgetting a bunch of them. I'm just, here's just a handful of them uh, off the top of my head as I was writing down notes this week. Um, Carrie. Mad respect for Carrie. Um, Well-told story. Put Sissy Spacek. You know who I'm talking about. On the map. Just a really a mind fuck of a movie. Cujo. Whew. You want to talk about a movie that fucked me up, right? I didn't want to go around dogs for a hot minute after Cujo. Um, pretty much anything by M. Night Shyamalan. But uh, one that is really fucking out there. Uh, Devil. Have you guys seen Devil where they're in the uh, elevator? And they're trying to figure out who is killing everybody in the stuck elevator. Oh, ho, ho, ho. That's a fucked up movie. That's a fucked up movie. The Mist. The Mist was a good movie. Um, the ending of The Mist is... Wow. Fucking crazy. Really, uh, one that you kind of got to sit there and watch it a couple times and go... Did that, did that really just, wow, that just happened. Um, the Exorcist. Now listen, I don't believe in any of that stuff, being an atheist, but still, The Exorcist can fuck with your head. It really can. Um, the Shining. <laughs> Red Rum and those two freaky little fucking girls in the hallway. Nope, nope, uh-uh. Jack Nicholson playing the bad guy is wow. Wow. Um, it's almost like he was that guy, right? Like, you know, you hear me in here typing. Kick, 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 kick. Don't disturb me. You know, I mean, oh, ho, ho. he is fucking weird. Fucking weird, but so good. Uh, Children of the Corn. Yeah, that one will fucking ruin everything about your day, right? It make you like think twice about taking a, a ride in the country to go burn that doobie with your buddy, right? It'd be like, fuck no, man, the corn is still in season. They haven't harvested anything. I ain't going fucking nowhere. Fuck that shit, man. I'm going to sit right here in my own fucking house, burn my own fucking doob. If I need to go outside, I will go sit on the back fucking porch. I ain't taking a ride with you in the middle of the fucking dark-ass fucking night, in the middle of the fucking country, in the fucking cornfield. Fuck that shit. Now, going back to when I was really young, right? Really young. I, I didn't even look up when this movie came out. I should have done that before I made these notes. But one that fucked my head up. <coughs> Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Right? Woo-hoo. Oh. The ending of Invasion of the Bo- Oh, mama. That one hung with me for a minute. Invasion of the Body Snacker- Snatchers. Uh, that, that left an imprint. It really did. Um, but the... One of the movies that really fucked me up as a kid. Really, really fucked me up as a kid. Uh, The Omen. The original OG Omen. The remake of The Omen uh, 
is is great with Lieb Shriver and uh, what's her name? Fuck, I can't remember her name now. Anyway, uh, the OG uh, Omen is the stuff of fucking nightmares. Once again, don't believe it, but holy shit. Uh, Damien. Damien. It's all for you, Damien. Uh-huh. What? You want to talk about getting fucked up? Yeah, I'm still... Uh, uh-oh. My... My my video holder is going fucking goofy. <coughs> I'm, I'm video. I'm recording this. I'm taping this uh, for YouTube, or I was recording it for YouTube. It appears as if. Hang on one second here. My I have one of these. Uh, sorry guys, on YouTube, you guys are gonna have to watch from a different angle. See, I have uh, this, uh, well, that's fucked up, isn't it? You'll have to forgive me. I'm going to be showing somebody on YouTube something really quick. It's the video version that you guys are only going to hear about. I have this, uh, this uh, two different stands, right? Stand number one is just a stand with a ring light on it. that It plugs into the side of the computer. I don't ever use the ring light because all you get are the rings in my glasses. So I don't ever use the ring light. It turned out to be just useful as a stand, but a damn good stand. And then I bought this other stand, which only the people on YouTube can see right now. And it is, uh, it, 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 it works as a stand, like a, as a tripod, um, but it also is, you take it with you. It's, a, it's like a selfie stick, and it's got the buttons on it, and it's got stabilizer motion, so you can run with it, and it won't look like you're running, like I do a lot of running, but you can move around with it and shit like that, you see, if you see what I'm saying. Anyway... Uh, it, it, it requires a charge, and uh, your dumbass host didn't charge before he started to film. So the YouTube people, they have to watch it on a different angle now. Fucking deal with it. <coughs> uh, real quickly, while we wrap up the scary movie part here, uh, there are going to be a whole bunch of movies that you guys are going to come up with that I have not seen. Uh, just give you an idea of some of the stuff that I haven't seen. Uh, Jeepers Creepers is one that comes up a lot. I've not seen it. Uh, Candyman is one that comes up a lot. Haven't seen it. Um, and uh, Hellraiser is one that comes up a lot. Have not seen it. Okay. So just before you guys even go mentioning those, asking if these are ones that I've seen, just know that I haven't. Okay. Okay. Having said all of that, it is now time to jump into the politics, because that's what we do around here, and holy fucking ballsack that we got some shit to talk about this week in the world of politics. First, we have to start with a good news story that technically shouldn't be a political story, but unfortunately is a political story, uh, and that would be the vaccine. Uh, this past week, the FDA uh, voted to approve use of the vaccine for children ages 5 to 11, which is that next group of uh, people that uh, we've been waiting on. Everybody in this country that's 12 and older that wants to get the vaccine uh, can get the vaccine if them and their doctors uh, say go for it. You know, it's up to them. Uh, we've been waiting on the 5 to 11-year-olds. Now, the CD, CDC still has to meet to uh, 
approve that, authorize that approval, but it's expected that they will soon. And uh, as a result, it's expected that we will see the first shots going into kids' arms as early as next week. Uh, as the father of a nine-year-old who's going to be 10 in December, thank you. Thank you. Um, he will be getting his, his shot along with us. The entire family is currently vaccinated except him. My 20-year-old daughter is fully vaccinated. My 17-year-old daughter is fully vaccinated. Both my wife and I are fully vaccinated, and I've already had my booster shot. So um, if there is some odd fate that is set to befall the vaccinated in mass, he's gonna follow, he's, it's going to happen to him with us. And I don't think it's going to happen. I think when all is said and done with, the people who are going to be proved wrong on this are the people who are the anti-vaxxers. Unfortunately, a chunk of them won't be around to understand how wrong they were. And that's a goddamn shame because here's a medicine that's sitting out there that your government's willing to just give you. That will help you. But you don't want to believe it. Oh, well. Five to 11-year-olds, coming soon, probably next week. Here's to hoping we can get my son vaccinated before the end of the year. By the way, uh, once this becomes uh, authorized for use in five to 11-year-olds and it gets full approval, you can fully expect school systems across the country to enact uh, a, a vaccine mandate, uh, as they do with other vaccines already at certain age groups. This is going to be part of the new uh, package of vaccines that your children are going to have to adhere to in order to attend public school. My guess is a shit ton of schools are going to have this in place by the fall of 2022. So you're not before this school year is up, most likely. You'll go over the summer, and then before you come back to school next year, your kids are going to need to be vaccinated. I'm just saying, get used to it. You don't have to like it. You don't even have to adhere to it. You can homeschool your kids. You can send your kids to a private academy that doesn't require it. But at the end of the day, I'm telling you, mark my words, it's going to happen. All right, moving along. What else do we have here this week? Well, in Nazi wannabe news, the judge hearing the case of the Hitler youth wannabe, Kyle Rittenhouse, has made an extremely disturbing. Uh, but, uh, as I understand, typical ruling. Okay, so uh, I saw this story. I saw a lot of TikToks about it. I read some articles about it. I then sought out people who make legal content that I trust, listened to what they had to say, and then sought out whether or not what they were saying was accurate, and it seems that it is. So it seems that it makes sense as well. It just also doesn't seem right, but uh, it's because I'm being biased in this case, and I have to be honest about that if I'm going to be honest about anything, right? So uh, the judge has determined that uh, the people who Kyle Rittenhouse has shot cannot be uh, uh, referred to in court as victims. Because if they're referred to in court as victims, then that insinuates that a crime has already been committed and that the trial is to determine whether or not a crime has been committed. And so therefore you can't label anybody a victim until you determine that a crime has been committed. It is, from my understanding, a fairly common request that is fairly commonly granted. 
because this is America and Kyle is innocent until proven guilty. So therefore, Kyle, until found guilty, does not have victims. And I understand it. After hearing that and after seeing that, reading that, uh, it makes sense. I don't like it because I believe he's a murderous Nazi piece of shit. Personal opinion on that one. But I understand it. You can't refer to them as victims because it slants the view of the people who are trying to determine whether or not they are, in fact, victims. Now, there was a little bit of misinformation that came out that needs to be corrected. Um, It was said that the judge said that they could be referred to as rioters, looters, and arsonists. Yes, that's technically true, but only in closing arguments, not during the trial, and only if evidence is found during the trial that they rooted, uh, looted, rooted, (laughs) rooted, rooted, I said it again, motherfucker, rioted, looted, or arsoned, committed arson. So if you can prove during the trial that they committed arson, you can refer to them as arsonists during your closing arguments. Same thing with looting and rioting. So they'll probably all be considered rioters at closing argument because there is uh, footage of them in what appears to be a riot scenario. You'd have to find specific footage of them looting or, or, or causing arson. Uh, there is some footage of some white supremacists, some, I believe, Boogaloo boys, uh, that are on, on trial currently uh, up in Minnesota for doing those very things. But, yes, uh, that is the story on Kyle Rittenhouse. His, uh, his alleged victims cannot be referred to as victims in court. It's shitty, but it's fair, you know? I would want the same if I was if I was in his position. I would want the judge to rule that you cannot refer to them as victims because they have not been deemed to be victims yet. Uh, <clears throat> sorry that we had to start there with a Kyle Rittenhouse story, um, but uh, I always find it best to try and get the worst out of the way, and that isn't even the worst this week. It's not. It gets fucking worse. Gets worse as you go, as always. Uh, it's, it's not even the bottom of the barrel yet. Um, we can always go lower, lower uh, when a member, member of the uh, Trump family is still breathing. And uh, this week, Don Jr. proved that once again. Uh, this past week, news came out if you recall that Alec Baldwin, the actor Alec Baldwin, uh, was filming on the set of a movie and had a prop gun that had a projectile in it. And when fired, it uh, injured one and killed another, a a young cinematographer. It's a tragic accident. It's not a real gun. Nobody meant to kill anybody. It It was a scene in a movie. Clearly there's an issue with uh, the prop department that there was a projectile in this gun or there wasn't some kind of safety measure taken. Needless to say, that's not going to stop the scumbags named Trump from zoning in on Alec Baldwin because Alec Baldwin hurt Daddy's feelings on Saturday Night Live a few times so now he's just got to be made fun of at all times. So, Don Jr., promptly, while the family is still mourning the loss in a tragic accident, throws some merch up on his store, 
And can we just fucking pause there for a minute? Donald Trump Jr. has a merch store? Why? Uh, aren't you guys like allegedly billionaires? You're hawking t-shirts on a merch store? That's for folks like us on TikTok. Things tighter than you uh you let on, Donnie? Anyway, in Don Jr.'s merch store, uh, he's now selling a shirt, a t-shirt that says, Guns don't kill people, Alec Baldwin kills people. Not a fucking ounce of empathy to you, huh, Junior? Not an ounce of empathy. Jesus fucking Christ. First of all, I hope Alec Baldwin sues you into the fucking ground for putting his name on a t-shirt. I truly do. If it's if it's at all possible, I hope he does. Secondly, um you need to understand this. Your entire fucking family has shown absolutely no empathy towards another human being in any way shape or form ever. And you need to go the rest of your life understanding that sooner or later something's going to happen to somebody you love. There's going to be a time when you're going to be in need of help. Maybe for yourself, maybe for a loved one, who knows. And the world that you shit on is not going to be there to help you. There are going to be a whole lot of people that are going to turn their back and say, not my fucking problem. I know a handful of people who are even going to make merch about it. Maybe even celebrate it. That's how horrendous a human being you've turned out to be. You are a waste of otherwise useful human DNA. Uh, in other Trump news, uh, Donnie Sr., uh, the tangerine shit stain himself, is trying his hand at the third incarnation of a new social media platform. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. As usual, the first two attempts were complete and utter failures. Gitter, which I guess is still up, but nobody fucking uses in any way, shape, or form has been hacked multiple times, and nobody knows how to operate at all. And Donnie's own personal social media app, which just turned out to be a blog site that nobody paid attention to. Uh, I have more followers uh, on my TikTok account <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> uh, than he ever dreamed about getting there. So that was a failure on his part. So now he's back at it again, third attempt. This one seems like it actually has some backing, and it might actually work. It might actually be operational. So it tends to lead me to believe that somebody else created this platform, and he bought into it, right? And that's what it looks like, because this platform called Truth Social has a bunch of investors into it. It's already developed. There's a, it's, it's a new social media platform. For sure, it's an app that you can go pre-order. It's going to be available in February of 2022. 
But upon the news breaking that Donnie had now become a, a big investor in this, that his name was attached to it, a handful of investors have actually dropped out. Because Rick Wilson was correct, everything Trump touches dies. So Truth Social launches in February of 2022. Sorry, got a little frog in my throat. But you can sign up for it now. Now, why would you sign up for Truth Social several months in advance? Easy. Donnie needs your email information, ladies and gentlemen. How else is he going to beg you for money between now and February? Christmas in Trump land is expensive, ladies and gentlemen. So go sign up for Truth Social so that Donnie can grift you a little bit more prior to the actual launch and impending demise of Truth Social. Because we all know that's what's going to happen. This thing is going to launch and it's going to come crashing right back down to the earth like many of the initial failed rocket attempts over at NASA. I wouldn't put any stock in this whatsoever. It's just going to be another Trump failure. Going to toss it on the trash heap with Trump steaks and Trump vodka and Trump University. And every fucking thing else that ever had the name Trump on it. Uh, In other uh, Trump land news, we now turn our attempts to overthrow our government. Our attention to the attempts to overthrow our government, I should say, on January 6th. Because this event is starting to heat up a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. (coughs) First, we have uh, Congress voting to hold Bannon in criminal contempt. Because in typical Republican fashion, Republicans are doing what they, they vowed that they wouldn't do. They're protecting somebody who is defying congressional subpoenas. Uh, By the way, when Eric Holder defied a congressional subpoena under the uh, Obama administration, he was held in contempt of court, or in contempt of Congress. And the Republicans were outraged that anybody would defy a congressional subpoena. We must hold them in contempt if we are to maintain our power as an independent body. Oh, it's Steve Bannon? Yeah, fuck that. We're not going to vote to hold him in contempt. And the Republicans didn't. No worries. The Democrats hold the House. He's been held in criminal content. contempt. It is expected that Garland's district or uh, DOJ is going to go after him. They're going to act on this. <coughs> but the best part of this whole thing was watching Jim Jordan uh, squirm while being questioned in this whole thing. Jim Jordan was being questioned, and uh, they were throwing his own words about uh, the disgusting habit of, of defying congressional subpoenas and how that just simply cannot be allowed. And, of course, what did he say? He had to put his little qualifier on. Well, of course I don't think that congressional subpoenas should be defied when it's a legitimate investigation. Yeah, yeah, it is a legitimate in- investigation, Pumpkin. Have a seat. We're going to talk about how fucking legitimate this is in just a moment. <clears throat> Unbelievable. It's almost like Republicans don't want us to know what happened on January 6th. I wonder why that is. Uh, We're going to talk about why the uh, uh, Republicans may not want you to understand what's going, what happened on January 6th in just a moment. Before we do, just a quick update on some of the uh, 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 terrorists of January 6th. In particular, another one here by the name of Landon Mitchell. 
this is a fun story. I enjoyed this story, so I, I wanted to uh, bring you uh, this story. Landon Mitchell was on Facebook. Uh, he was one of the terrorists that were at the, the Capitol building. My word, terrorist. Um, and he bragged on Facebook to a Facebook friend that he would not be caught by the FBI because he was masked the entire time. Uh, he said on Facebook that he was, quote, invincible, end quote, and that he was, quote, not too worried, end quote, uh, about the FBI catching up with him. Landon was seen on film inside the Capitol building, on the Senate floor, going through senators' desk, desks and posed for a picture at the dais with uh, the infamous shaman man. Well, the FBI arrested Landon on Wednesday. They caught up with him. The, uh, the mask didn't help Landon, as he predicted on Facebook. And Wednesday, he was taken into custody. And uh, I'm just wondering if uh, anybody else out there believes that maybe uh, as of Wednesday supper time, old Landon's entire fucking outlook on life has drastically changed. <coughs> hey, Landon. How worried are you now, you terrorist piece of shit? Listen to your lawyer. Follow his advice. Take the guilty plea. You're going to do less time than if you go to court, okay? Uh, But if that wasn't uh, uh, enough for the week already, we have the headline of the week, and we got to discuss this. We're going to discuss this in detail together right now. I'm sure you have heard about the Rolling Stone article. Uh, Let's go ahead and give you the headline first, and then we're going to dive into the article together. First of all, the headline. January 6th protest organizers say they participated in dozens of planning meetings with members of Congress and White House staff. I'm sorry, you fucking what, win? Now, that's the Rolling Stone exclusive that blew the lid off this whole thing this week. Now, a lot of people hear that and they go, all right, yeah, I heard somebody saying something about so-and-so. I didn't really read the article. But I heard so-and-so. Don't rely on other people. Read the article for yourself. You don't want to read the article for yourself? Don't worry. Uncle Tom is here for you. We're going to read it together. (coughs) We're going to go through this fucking article together. Strap in. Light one up, okay? This fucking exclusive was dropping bombs all over the political landscape, and there's no reason why we can't just get into it together, okay? As the House investigation into the January 6th attack heats up, some of the planners of the pro-Trump rallies that took place in Washington, D.C. have begun communicating with congressional investigators and sharing new information about what happened when the former president's supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol. Two of these people have spoken to Rolling Stone extensively in recent weeks and detailed explosive allegations that multiple members of Congress were intimately involved in planning both Trump's efforts to overturn his election loss and the January 6th events that turned violent. Rolling Stone separately confirmed a third person involved in the main January 6th rally in D.C. has communicated with the committee. This is the first report that the committee is hearing major new allegations from potential cooperating witnesses. While there have been prior indications that members of Congress were involved, this is also the first account detailing their purported role in the scope. 
The two sources also claim they interacted with members of Trump's team, including former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, who they describe as having had an opportunity to prevent the violence. I'm sorry, what? (coughs) Forgive me, I'm still a tad stuffy. And that's what happens on an amateur podcast that's done at home. Oh, well. If I had a podcast partner, this is where they would be talking while I'm blowing my nose. I find that rather interesting that right off the bat, Mark Meadows is mentioned. Chief of Staff to the White House. You want to know what the Chief of Staff to the White House uh, White House does? Whatever the fuck the President tells him to do. Right off the bat, that tells me that Donnie was directly involved in this. But we go on. The two sources, both of whom who have been granted anonymity due to the ongoing investigation, describe participating in, quote, dozens, end quote, of planning briefings ahead of that day when Trump supporters broke into the Capitol as his election loss to Joe Biden was being certified. Quote, I remember Marjorie Taylor Greene specifically, end quote, the organizer says. Quote, I remember talking to probably close to a dozen members Uh, other members at one point or another, or their staffs, end quote. Wow! MTG. (coughs) Mentioned by name. Uh, Sorry that those of you who are just listening to the podcast don't get a chance to see the video version of this until you jump over to YouTube, but this is my shocked face. For the sake of clarity, we will refer to one of the sources as a rally organizer and the other as a planner. Rolling Stone has confirmed that both sources were involved in organizing the main event aimed at objecting to electoral certification, which took place (coughs) at the White House, uh, sorry, ellipse on January 6th. Once again, got that frog in the throat. Trump spoke at that rally and encouraged his supporters to march to the Capitol. Some members of the audience at the Ellipse began walking the mile and a half to the Capitol as Trump gave his speech. The barricades were stormed minutes before the former president concluded his remarks. These two sources also helped plan a series of demonstrations that took place in multiple states around the country in the weeks between the election and the storming of the Capitol. According to these sources, multiple people associated with the March for Trump and Stop the Steal events that took place during this period communicated with members of Congress throughout this process. So what does this tell you so far? This tells you that the people who planned this event, the people that organized the attempted overthrow of our government, had help from sitting elected Republicans, and they're not going down without naming them. We go on. Along with Green, the conspiratorial pro-Trump Republican from Georgia who took office earlier this year, the pair both say the members who participated in these conversations or had top staffers join in included Representative Paul Gosser, Republican, Arizona, 
Representative Lauren Boebert, Republican, Colorado. Representative Mo Brooks, Republican, Alabama. Representative Madison Cawthorn, Republican, North Carolina. Representative Andy Biggs, Republican, Arizona. And Representative Louis Gomert, Republican, Texas. Well, look at that. The gang's all here. You got Marjorie Taylor Greene. You got Gosser. You got Boebert. You got Mo Brooks, Madison, Cawthorn. Come on. The gang is all here. And Louis Gomer? <coughs> My God. It's like a super fan of stupidity. Quote, we would talk to Bobert's team, Cawthorn's team, Gosar's team, like back to back to back to back, says the organizer. And Gossar, who has been one of the most prominent defenders of the January 6th rioters, allegedly took things a step further. Both sources say he dangled the possibility of a, quote, blanket pardon, unquote, in an unrelated, ongoing investigation to encourage them to plan the protest. Wow. Does that mean that pardons were for sale in the Trump administration? Couldn't be. Couldn't be. Quote, our impression was that it was a done deal, the organizer said. Quote, that he'd spoken to the president about it in the Oval, in a meeting about pardons, and that our names came up. They were working on submitting the paperwork and getting members of the House Freedom Caucus to sign on as a show of support. Wow. It was our impression it was a done deal. Did Donnie make a deal that he backed out on? Because that would be extraordinarily unlike him, right? You know, just as a side note as we go through this particular article, uh, I am fucking loving the fact that the people who Donnie's now fucked over are his own people. We've been telling you motherfuckers how he's been fucking people over his entire life and you didn't want to fucking listen to us. Now he's fucking you over, and I am here for every fucking minute of it. Wait a minute. I'm going to eat it up with a spoon. <coughs> the organizer claims the pair received, quote, several assurances about the blanket pardon, end quote, from Gosser. Quote, I was just going over the list of pardons, and we just wanted to tell you guys how much we appreciate all the hard work you've been doing, Gosser said, according to one organizer. The rally planner describes the pardon as being offered while, quote, encouraging, end quote, the staging of protest against the election. While the organizer says they did not get involved in planning the rally solely due to the pardon, they were upset that it ultimately did not materialize. Aw, you dunny, fuck you. That's what Donnie does. He uses simple-minded fucks and then fucks them like he did to you. Quote, I would have done it either way, with or without the pardon, the organizer says. I do truly believe in this country, but to use something like that and put that out on the table when someone is so desperate, it's really not good business. Really? Not good business. Where the fuck have you been, dude? This dude hasn't done good business since the 70s. We told you that. 
during the entirety of 2015 and 2016. You dumb motherfuckers. That shit is not good business. That shit is not good business. Thank you for at least referring to it for what it was. Business. Congratulations. You are one of the many, many, many members of the human race that Donald Trump has fucked in business. Gosar's office did not respond to requests for comments on this story. Shocker. Rolling Stone has separately obtained documentary evidence that both sources were in contact with Gosser and Bobert on January 6th. What? Do tell. We are not describing the nature of that evidence to preserve their anonymity. The House Select Committee investigating the attack also has interest in Gosser's office. Gosser's chief of staff, Thomas Van Flyn, was among the people who were named in the committee's sweeping request to executive branch agencies seeking documents and communications from within the Trump administration. Now, both sources claim Van Flyn was, uh, I'm hoping I'm saying that right, Van Flyn, is that how you say his name, Van Flyn? was personally involved in the conversations about the blanket pardons and other discussions about pro-Trump efforts to dispute the elections. Van Flyn did not respond to a request for comment. Once again, shocker. (coughs) Everybody in this case has shut up and lawyered up uh, because things are going to get real interesting. We have a long history of not going after our political opponents once there's been a peaceful transfer of power in this country. This is not that case. This, is, this was an attempt to overthrow our government. This is not, we, we disagreed with their policies, now we're in power, we're going to put our policies in. These motherfuckers tried to overthrow the government. They tried to end the American experiment. They tried to form a new government and make themselves out to be the new founding fathers. And they've been caught. These specific members of Congress were involved in the pro-Trump activism around the election and the electoral certification on January 6th. Both Brooks and Cawthorn spoke with Trump at the Ellipse on January 6th. In his speech at the event, Brooks, who was reportedly wearing body armor, why, why would you be wearing body armor to an event that is filled with your followers, your supporters? Did you maybe think things were going to get a tad out of control that day? In his speech at the event, Brooks declared, quote, Today is the day American patriots start taking down names and kicking ass. Gosar, Green, and Bobert were all billed as speakers at the, quote, wild protest, end quote, which also took place on January 6th at the Capitol. Nick Dyer, who is Green's communication director, said he was solely involved in planning the, uh, uh, to object to the electoral certification on the House floor. Spokespeople for other members of Congress, who the sources describe as involved in the planning process, did not respond to requests for comment. Once again, quote, Congressional, uh, Congresswoman Green and her staff were focused on the congressional election objection on the House floor and had nothing to do with planning any protest. Dyer wrote in an email to Rolling Stone. Dyer further compared Green's efforts to dispute certification of Biden's victory with similar objections certain Democrats lodged against Trump's first election. Quote, she objected 
just like Democrats who have objected to the Republican presidential victories over the years, wrote Dyer. Just like in 2017, when Jim McGovern, Jamie Raskin, Pramila Jayapal, Barbara Lee, Sheila Jackson Lee, Raul Gravalza, I hope I said that correctly, and Maxine Waters tried to prevent President Trump's election from being certified. Dyer also suggested the public is far more concerned with issues occurring under President Joe Biden than they are with what happened in January. Quote, no one cares about January 6th when gas prices are skyrocketing, grocery store shelves are empty, unemployment is skyrocketing, businesses are going bankrupt, our border is being invaded, children are forced to wear masks, vaccine mandates are getting workers fired, and 13 members of our military were murdered by the Taliban, and Americans are left stranded in Afghanistan, Dyer wrote. My God, it's like a Trump stump speech right there. He hit all the talking points. In other indi- uh, uh, indication, members of Congress may have been involved in planning the protests against the election. Ali Alexander, who helped organize the, quote, wild protest, unquote, declared in a sense-deleted live stream broadcast that Gosser, Brooks, and B- uh, Biggs helped him formulate the strategy for that event. Quote, I was the person who came up with the January 6th idea with Congressman Gosser, Congressman Mo Brooks, and Congressman Andy Biggs, Alexander said at the time. Quote, we four schemed up on putting maximum pressure on Congress while they were voting so that, who we couldn't lobby, we could change the hearts and the minds of Republicans who were in that body hearing our loud roar from outside. Alexander uh, uh, led the Stop the Steal, which was one of the main groups promoting efforts to dispute Trump's loss. In December, he organized a Stop the Steal event in Phoenix, where Gosser was one of the main speakers. At that demonstration, Alexander referred to Gosser as, quote, my captain, end quote, and declared, quote, one of the other heroes has been Congressman Andy Biggs, end quote. <coughs> Alexander did not respond to requests for comment. The rally planner, who accused Alexander of ratcheting up the potential for violence that day while taking advantage of funds from donors and others who helped finance the event, confirmed that he was in contact with those three members of Congress. Quote, he just couldn't help himself but go on his live and just talk about everything he did and who he talked to, the planner says of Alexander. Quote, so he, like, really told on himself, end quote. Yeah, shocker, again, right? These guys would fuck up a one-car funeral. I swear to God. Uh, excuse me for one moment. Moment. That sounded like a good one, eh? Mm. It's either you guys deal with me blowing my nose a couple times, or I don't do a podcast this week. And I, I want to do the podcast, so we're going to move on. Uh, while it was already clear members of Congress played some role in the January 6th events and similar rallies that occurred in the lead-up to that day, the two sources, two sources say they can provide new details about the members' specific roles in these efforts. These sources plan to share that information with congressional investigators right away. While both sources say their communications with the House's January 6th committee thus far have been informal, they are expecting to testify publicly. Quote, I have no problem openly testifying, the planner says. Ho oh, uh, ho. 
fuck me right in the goat ass, okay? It, these this shit turns into open testimony. Yeah. I'll be doing under the desk news. No, I won't be because that's too fucking awesome for me to even think about doing. Uh, but I might be under the desk with my popcorn watching. Uh, holy shit. Make this open testimony, please. Uh, Alexa, order all the weed, please. Open testimony on naming the, me- the members of Congress who were involved. I want you to think about that for a moment. Let's just, just stop for a moment. Think about that. An open testimony live on TV in which the people testifying are naming some of the people up on the dais as being co-conspirators in an attempt to overthrow the government. Are you fucking kidding me? When is that? This political junkie is harder than a left turn downtown. Let me tell you something, right? You can cut glass with my nipples at the anticipation of these motherfuckers being named in open testimony. A representative for the committee declined to comment. In the past month, the committee has issued subpoenas to top Trump allies, government agencies, and activists who were involved in the planning of events and rallies that took place on that day and in the prior weeks. Multiple sources familiar with the committee's investigations have confirmed to Rolling Stone that thus far it seems to be heavily focused on the financing for the Ellipse rally and similar previous events. Both of the sources made clear that they still believe in Trump's agenda. They also have questions, fucking morons, by the way. They also have questions about how his election loss occurred. The two sources say they do not necessarily believe there were issues with the actual vote count. However, they are concerned that Democrats gained an unfair advantage in the race due to perceived social media censorship of Trump allies and the voting rules that were implemented as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. Quote, Democrats used tactics to disrupt their political opposition in ways that, frankly, were completely unacceptable. End quote. The organizer said, pause the fucking story. All right. (coughs) This is what we said in 16. Everybody yells and screams. Oh, you guys could fucking say that Trump didn't win the election for four years. No, 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 no. We didn't say the election was stolen. We said the election was interfered with. Russia put out a bunch of propaganda and private emails to put its thumb on the scale and influence people. That's what now what these people are saying. You want to say that it was influenced because social media silenced right-wingers? You have every right to say that. A lot of social right-wingers were silenced because they were pushing bullshit. You know who else was silenced? A lot of left-wingers. You're listening to one, fuckstick. I received a lifetime ban for calling Laura Ingram a hag. Not even for saying something that's false. Not for pushing propaganda about the vaccine or the coronavirus. Not for telling lies about an elected official. For calling Laura Ingram a hag. Now, did I have a huge Twitter following? Like a thousand or two thousand followers. It was not much. But still. Lifetime ban. 
Quote, the reason I'm talking to the committee and the reason it's so important is that despite Republicans refusing to participate, this commission's all we got as far as being able to uncover the truth about what happened at the Capitol that day, the organizer said. Quote, it's clear that a lot of bad actors set out to cause chaos. They made us all look like shit. And Trump, they admit, was one of those bad actors. A representative for Trump did not respond to a request for comment. And he's not going to, ladies and gentlemen. Quote, the breaking point for me on January 6th was when Trump starts talking about walking to the Capitol, end quote, the organizer said. I was like, let's get the fuck out of here. That's what he says. Quote, I do kind of feel abandoned by Trump, says the planner. I'm actually pretty pissed about it, and I'm pissed at him. The organizer offers an even more succinct assessment when asked what they would say to Trump. What the fuck? The organizer says. <coughs> That's what he says he would say to Trump. It's a, what the fuck? Can we... Listen, I'll fucking host the GoFundMe page if we have to. Can we figure out a way to make it happen that we put these two gentlemen in a room with Trump for four minutes? Filmed, of course. We've got to be able to see what happens. Let's put Trump at one end of the table, these two guys at the other end of the table, in a room, four minutes, and go. You better have a lot of fucking popcorn handy because it is going to be, it's going to be one of them fucking Mike Tyson type of deals. Remember back in the day when you would start a Mike Tyson fight, and in 38 seconds it was over, and it was like fuck, I didn't even have a chance to enjoy my my pizza, you know. Uh, that's what this would be like. Right? You four minutes in a room is two and a half minutes too many. These boys would tear him a third corn chip. The two potential witnesses plan to present to the committee allegations about how these demonstrators were fun- these demonstrations were funded and to detail communications between organizers and the White House. According to both sources, members of Trump's administration and former members of his campaign team were involved in the planning. Both described Katrina Pearson, who worked for Trump's campaign in 2016 and 2020, as a key liaison between the organizers and protests against the election and the White House. Quote, Katrina was like our go-to girl, the organizer said. She was like our primary advocate. Wow, they were all in on it, huh? Pearson spoke at the Ellipse rally on January 6th. She did not respond to requests for comment. I'm sensing a theme here, ladies and gentlemen. Both sources also described Trump's White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows as someone who played a major role in the conversation surrounding the protests on January 6th. Among other things, they both say concerns were raised to Meadows about Alexander's protest at the Capitol and the potential that it could spark violence. Meadows was subpoenaed by the committee last month as part of a group of four people, quote, with close ties to the former president who were working in or had communications with the White House on or in the days leading up to the January 6th insurrection, end quote. Quote, Meadows was 100% made aware of what was going on, says the organizer. He's also like a regular figure in these really tiny groups of national organizers. Meadows was 
all over the place. In tonight's play, the role of Michael Cohen will be played by Meadows. A separate third source who has also communicated with the committee and was involved in the Ellipse Rally says Kylie Kremer, one of the key organizers at the event, boasted that she was going to meet with Meadows at the White House ahead of the rally. The committee has been provided with that information. Kremer did not respond to her request for comment. <sighs> Man, so many people don't want to talk about it. I wonder why. Both the organizer and the planner say Alexander initially agreed he would not hold his, quote, wild protest, end quote, at the Capitol, and that the ellipse would be the only major demonstration. When Alexander seemed to be ignoring that arrangement, both claim worries were brought to Meadows. Quote, despite making a deal, they plowed forward with their own thing at the Capitol on January 6th anyway, the organizer says of Alexander and his allies. Quote, we ended up escalating that to everybody we could, including Meadows. A representative for Meadows, as you guessed it, did not respond to requests for comment. It seems to me, if these were the kind of allegations I was facing, that I was involved in a conspiracy to overthrow the government and install uh, the loser of an election as the new leader of the country, I would want to get out there and address these allegations. The fuck I did! Nope, got the wrong guy. You must be talking about a different Meadows. But nope, nobody wants to talk about it. Shocking. Along with making plans for January 6th, the sources say the members of Congress who were involved solicited support, supposed proof of election fraud from them. <coughs> Challenging electoral certification requires the support of a member of the Senate. While more than 100 Republican members of the House ultimately objected to the Electoral College count that formalized Trump's loss, only a handful of senators backed the effort. According to the sources, the members of Congress and their staff advised them to hold rallies in specific states. The organizer says locations were chosen to put, quote, pressure, end quote, on key senators and that, quote, we considered to be persuadable. So they were eyeballing a bunch of what they considered to be easily manipulative, uh, manipulated uh, senators based on their uh, precarious positions in life. Quote, we had also been coordinating with some of our congressional contacts on, like, what would be presented after the individual objections. And our expectation was that was the day of the storm was going to arrive. End quote, the organizer said, adding, it was supposed to be like the best evidence that they had been secretly gathering. Everyone was going to stay at the ellipse throughout the congressional thing. End quote. I got to be honest with you, just reading this, uh, I am shocked that this thing didn't come off without a hitch. Heading into January 6th, both sources say they plan to have plan my God, my head is still stuffy as fuck. My apologies. Heading into January 6th, both sources say the plan they had discussed with other organizers, Trump allies, and members of Congress was a rally that would solely take place at the Ellipse, where speakers, including the former president, would present, quote, evidence, end quote, about issues with the election. This demonstration would take place in conjunction with the objections that were being made by Trump allies during the certification on the House floor that day. Quote, 
It was in a variety of calls, some with Gosser and Gosser's team, some with Marjorie Taylor Greene and her team, and Mo Brooks, the organizer says. Quote, the capital was never in play, insists the planner. A senior staffer for a Republican member of Congress, who was also granted anonymity to discuss the ongoing investigation, similarly says that they believed the events would only involve supporting objections on the House floor. The staffer says their member was engaged in planning that was, quote, specifically and fully above board. Now is where we get into a little bit of the covering your ass shit. Okay, because we already have Marjorie Taylor Greene telling people that they need to come and be inside the building. All right, so now you're telling us that these meetings behind closed doors didn't say anything like what Marjorie Taylor Greene was presenting in public. Quote, a whole host of people let this go a totally different way, the senior Republican staffer says. Quote, they fucked it up for a lot of people who were planning to present evidence on the House floor. We were pissed off at everything that happened. The two sources claimed that were uh, early concerns about Alexander's event. They had seen him with members of the paramilitary group's First Amendment, I, I don't know how to say this, Praetorian, the 1AP? Bunch of cosplaying fucking G.I. Joe wannabes, you know what I'm talking about. And the Oath Keepers in his entourage prior, at prior pro-Trump rallies. Alexander was filmed with a reputed member of 1AP at his side at a November Stop the Steal event that took place in Georgia. <coughs> it's because they're not trying to hide it anymore. They honestly believe that these organizations like these Oath Keepers and these Proud Boys and, and uh, the Boogaloo Boys, uh, these are the new... Patriots. These are the new founding fathers. They believe this shit, right? They believe that their purpose is to put America back to the way it was, and they are the second coming of the men that took the country to begin with. And it's frightening as fuck to think that... Um, You've got a bunch of guys that honestly believe themselves to be uh, the second coming of the Founding Fathers. It's actually quite, quite fucking insane. The, the, two, the two sources also claim to have been concerned about drawing people to the area directly adjacent to the Capitol on January 6th, given the anger among Trump supporters about the electoral certification that was underway that day. Quote, they knew that they weren't there to sing Kumbaya and, like, put up a peace sign, the planner says. These friggin' people were angry. So, what, is, what did we hear in this article? We heard that we have a handful of sitting Republicans in Congress, House and Senate, that were working with people to show up in mass to attempt to stop the certification of a duly held election. We know that members of the White House staff now were involved in the organization and planning of, of, of attempts to stop the certification of a duly uh, held election. 
Now, these planners are giving you these names. They're telling you that they were involved in this. They're telling you that they were involved in making the organization, the uh, protest where Trump spoke happen, and that it was Trump that worked the crowd up and told them to go to the Capitol building. And we know that members, some of these members of Congress, as you just heard in this story, and we, as we saw on TV, held a little protest at the Capitol building outside. So that little protest merged with the protest people that came over from Donnie's rally. And what, what, what are the last words you hear here? These friggin' people were angry. They knew that they weren't there to sing kubaya and, like, put up a, a peace sign. These friggin' people were angry. <coughs> These Republicans knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were getting people riled up across the country by telling them that the election was stolen from them as they were losing court cases about that very subject over and over and over and over again. As their, as their attorneys were in uh, federal courthouses across the country having to look judges in the eye and say, yeah, we don't have any of that evidence. It doesn't exist. as they were having to withdraw some of their own cases, lest they be punished. They were getting everybody whipped into a frenzy, telling everybody that the election was stolen. You won, but they took it from you. And everybody got themselves worked into a frenzy. And then he told everybody, get to the Capitol, right? Get to the White House, get to the uh, Washington, D.C., We've got to go fight for our country. They all gathered to hear him speak, right? If we don't go down to the Capitol building and fight, we aren't going to have a country left. After months of telling them, they stole it from you. You won and they took it from you. (coughs) After seeing Marjorie Taylor Greene on TV say they stole it, We can't just let them take it. They knew exactly what they were doing. And the telltale sign that Trump knew exactly what he was doing is that Trump never puts himself in harm's way. Ever. Trump isn't the person to to, uh, do what he asks others to do. He never has been. He's not a true leader. Right? He's a delegator. And the telltale sign on January 6th that Trump knew what was going on but wanted no fucking part of it was when he said, and I'm going to march down there with you. Remember that? We're going to march down to the Capitol building and I'm going to march with you. And all these people thought that they were marching down there with the President of the United States with them, right in the middle. They were going to take their country back. <coughs> and he turned around and went inside and watched it all happen on TV. Turned around, went back inside, and watched all of you fucking lemmings do exactly what you were told to do. March down there and fight and put me back in power. It was like plankton. Put the fucking bucket over all your heads. 
you fucking morons just ate it up. Yes, master. And you march down there. Mile and a half in the cold to do what? Scale the walls, bust through the windows, beat the cops. 140 police officers injured. Right? Back to blue. 140 fucking police officers injured that day. Oh, it was just a peaceful protest. The cops let him in. Look, they were just on a tour. Motherfucker, they don't whisk the VP away to a secure location for just another tour. Members of Congress don't stack chairs and books and anything else they can up against the doors to barricade themselves inside a chamber when it's just another uh, uh, tour. Sell that fucking bullshit where it's going to be bought. It ain't going to be bought here. Oh, it's just another tour. Bullshit. It was a planned insurrection. With Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert live tweeting out their location and the location of the sec- uh, uh, of uh, um, the third in line, Nancy Pelosi. They've moved Nancy Pelosi to this location. Nancy Pelosi has been taken to this location. Live, as it's happening. Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene, above all others, are absolute traitors in this country, and I would dare say deserve to face the gallows. And I'm being dead serious when I say that. They planned a violent insurrection, and while the violent insurrection was happening, they were feeding members of the insurrection turn-by-turn directions on where to find the person they wanted to execute. Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene should face the gallows. Firing squad. Something of that nature. I'm being dead serious when I say that. I am not even joking. And then we should start going down the fucking line and seeing just how involved everybody else was. But of course, this all starts at the top. None of this shit happens if at the top doesn't direct it to happen. Why? Because he couldn't take the loss. I get asked all the time, do you honestly think Trump is going to jail? And I do. I think Trump is going to go to jail uh, in New York State for decades worth of crimes. I honestly believe Trump is going to wind up doing some time um, in New York State. And I've said for forever that I don't know, uh, or you know, since the end of the uh, of the uh, Trump administration, I don't know that the federal government is ever going to get him on anything because that's not something that we typically push forth with. This he might he might get taken down for this too. He might. I don't know. I doubt it's going to happen for this. I am still confident that it's going to happen in New York State, uh, uh, and doubt that it's going to happen for this. But this very well could go that way. That's how fucking bad this is. That's that's how bad this is. There might be several members of Congress in both the House and Senate that can't run for re-election because they're in fucking jail. 
I would be shitting egg rolls if I was members of Congress right now, certain members of Congress right now. This article and these people who were involved in this shit, who are cooperating with the FBI as well as congressional investigators, if they're willing to tell Rolling Stone this, if this is the level of detail they're willing to cough up to a fucking magazine, think about what they're telling the people who are looking to charge them with crimes. There is definitely a lot more to come out when it comes to this story. Watch this space. All right, folks, real quickly, before I wrap this thing up for this week, um, just another reminder, uh, watch out next week for the Patreon subscription service. What that is going to be, once again, is going to be, this is the last podcast before that launches, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about it here at the end one last time. It's going to be bonus podcast episodes. It's going to start off as two additional podcast episodes a month. One every other Tuesday. (coughs) So, this free podcast every Friday will stay exactly the same as it is. And then there will be a new bonus episode every other Tuesday that will focus a lot more on... Uh, some personal background. So the, the what we're doing on those podcasts, what I'm doing on those podcasts is I'm, uh, uh, because it's on Tuesdays, I'm going to probably do like a taco shout out, uh, a taco joint shout out at the beginning of every episode. So if you're going to be a subscriber and you want to shoot me an email or a message about a taco joint that I should shout out at the beginning of one of my Patreon only podcasts, let me know. Go ahead and do so. Uh, then I'm going to read for you some uh, some of the more choice comments that I get on social media, uh, which are funny, you know, the typical troll comments. And we're going to go into some weird stories, not necessarily political stories, but weird stories, you know, odd shit that's going on around the world. And then I will uh, end each episode with uh, a different personal story from my past, whether that be about me alone, about me and my mother, me and my father, me and my wife, me and my cousins me and my grandparents, uh, myself and friends, uh, whether it be on tour or when I was a wee child at home or since I've been married uh, or in my landscape life. uh, But we'll just, every episode, I'll give you a different old story, uh, a little bit of background. It'll be a little bit more personal-centric over there on Patreon Oldie. And there are going to be four different tiers. Once again, there's going to be $4.20 a month, which will get you access only. Uh, there's going to be a uh, an $11 a month tier, which is going to get you access to all of that stuff, just like the $4.20 tier. And it's going to get you a physical gift at six months and a physical gift at one year. Then there's going to be a $21 a month tier that's going to give you access, plus physical gifts at four, eight, and 12 months. And then there will be a $50 a month uh, tier, which will give you access and physical gifts at three, six, nine, and 12 months. Uh, I will do a TikTok video of it once it's uh, ready to launch. I am anticipating a launch date of next Tuesday. There will be two podcast episodes already up for you to catch up on. This is not going to be a video content format. You might get an occasional video from me over there. This is additional podcast information to start with. 
with the occasional video thrown in once in a blue moon. All right? So once again, those are going to be your tiers, $4.20 a month, $11 a month, um, $21 a month, and $50 a month. And if this thing takes off, if, it, if, if, if I don't wind up with eight subscribers and have to shut the whole thing down, then we will discuss donating uh, a portion of the profits each quarter to a cause uh, that is near and dear to our, our hearts. So once again, that's going to be my Patreon subscription-only service, and that's going to be uh, uh, launching most likely uh, next week. Watch out for that. Watch out for announcements on all my social media about that. All right, that's all I got for you guys this week. Uh, tune in next week for a whole new episode. And uh, as always, until then, stay grateful. <laughs>